Welcome to Our Childhood Sucked. I'm the playwright and co-creator SMJ. In this episode, you will meet the team as we begin talking about our relationship to media. Among a variety of topics, we discuss teardrops on my guitar, spoilers for season one of Gundam Wing 00, Manny Santos from Degrassi, The Next Generation, and a very confusing conversation about Little Bear. This episode was recorded on October 14th, 2020. For this session uh, for a recording, our goals are going, we're going to be introducing ourselves more fully to everyone listening as well as to our other collaborators, and we will discuss our relationships to pop culture as we were kids. We will be starting by going around our little Zoom call and introducing ourselves. We will pass the intro to someone else in the call. I will begin. So the first question is, how do we identify ourselves to our listeners? Um, my name is SMJ. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm a mixed, half Latinx, half white, demisexual, trans, non-binary playwright, mime, and theater educator based out of the Upper West Side in New York City where I'm currently living with my female college sweetheart partner of six years. Uh, I graduated with a BFA in acting. I'm the first college grad in my family. Speaking somewhat terrifies me. Uh, I'm 26. I'm originally from Mount Vernon, Ohio. I grew up with a very fractured family, separated parents, a younger brother, and grew up way below the poverty line. I have a second family that refers to me as their son. I have no religious affiliation, and I just started seeing a therapist to deal with trauma. That is me. I'm SMJ. I pass the baton to my wonderful friend, Danielle. Thank you, SMJ. Hi, everyone. My name is Danielle. I identify myself as a Black, cis, lesbian actor slash writer from Montgomery, Alabama, Southern as hell. Um, I'm currently based out of Brooklyn, though. I was raised by a single mother, raised very Christian, raised kind of as an only child because my older sister is like 13 years older than me. So I was the only kid in the house. Um, and today I don't really identify myself with any organized religion, but I am one of those girls who's like, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. So that is me. Um, I'm 26 um, and I have a psych degree um, and I've also recently just come to the terms with the fact that I have anxiety. Um, and I'm a Pisces, so that's the most important thing about me. <laughs> um, let's see, can I pass the baton to Daniel? Yeah, hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a white, uh, cisgendered, pansexual director, playwright, fight director. Uh, I produce a lot of podcasts on the side uh, and I'm currently based out of Washington, DC, but I pay for a lovely apartment in Washington Heights that I don't live at right now. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Chester, Virginia, right outside of Richmond. Uh, I grew up in what I would call a pretty standard middle-class family. We, I did not grow up religious, um, and yeah, that is me. Uh, I'm gonna pass it to Stephanie, that's okay. All right, hello, um, I am Stephanie. I am, uh, a, I'm a mixed race. I'm half Asian, half white um, actor based in Chicago. Um, I'm also originally from Mount Vernon, Ohio. Um, I was raised very Catholic, um, no longer Catholic as of a few years ago. Um, 
I have one younger brother. Um, I am also 25 and um, I was an English major in college. And I think that's about it. Um, okay, I'm gonna pass it to Talia. Hi, I'm Talia. Um, I'm an actor, writer, director, teacher, babysitter, living in Chevy Chase, Maryland, though I usually tell people I grew up in DC. Um, I went to Emerson College in Boston and I studied acting and theater education. Um, and now I'm here in New York. A little more about me, I'm obsessed with going on walks. It's my simple pleasure. Um, I also freak out about um, a nice tree or when the sky is nice, um, makes me really happy. Um, and I'm currently writing a TV show about hot dogs and another TV show about people writing their numbers on napkins and um, a couple other fun projects. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'll pass it to Alize. Hi, I'm Alize. I am a mixed woman. I'm half uh, Puerto Rican, half black. My pronouns are she, her. I'm an actor and a singer and I live in Brooklyn, New York right now. I'm originally from Waterbury, Connecticut. We call it the Dirty Waters, which is fitting for it. Um, <laughs> uh, I have six siblings and I am what I like to call way too family oriented. And I feel like that's important to share. <laughs> I want to pass it to Lou. Is that me? I am a bi Latinx um, human being and director person from Brazil. I, uh, I use she, her pronouns. I'm a Capricorn Libra rising. Ugh. Uh, I'm also the first person to graduate from college in my family. Um, also grew under the poverty line. And I believe in a God of sorts. I believe there's a, a reason somehow. Um, um, figuring it out, I guess. And I do run an Instagram account for my cat. Um, who hasn't gone yet? That's it, right? Fantastic. And now that we are all met, we are going to get into the meat of why we're meeting here today. So all, as we said in the intro, all of the dialogue, all of the sort of uh, storylines that we're going to be pulling for the play are going to be somewhat sourced through our conversations. Our first conversation is going to start that investigation into the positive and negative effects of pop culture on us, both as children and as adults. So the second question of the day is pretty straightforward. What was your relationship to popular culture as a child? And as a child, we have now defined as your first memory of some sort of pop culture to about 18. So I offer to whoever would like to speak, or if you want me to speak first, you can just point at me. <laughs> Um, oh. I can, I can. Yes, please, Daniel. Go ahead. As a kid, pop culture was definitely like my um, main means of escape and entertainment. But of course, when I was a kid, I wasn't thinking like, oh my God, I'm escaping right now. It's just, it just felt like what you, you did. Um, but over time, it really became a tool for me in hindsight to kind of see like, this is how the world works, but it also like coincides with me, especially like having grown up in a kind of a small town with a very like specific and uniform point of view a lot of the times. It also gave me a perspective of what the world could possibly be. 
So I didn't have a great attention span, so I didn't watch that many movies, but like TV shows, books, music, all of that was my absolute shit. And to be honest, if I didn't have those things, I'm kind of afraid of the person that I would be today, even though there are definitely harm, um, harmful aspects of pop culture too. I think for me as a kid also, I like, I've just realized that I wasn't really emotionally invested in myself uh, for a long time. So I definitely use like TV and movies to like feel things, if that makes sense. Like just like pick the things that I know would make me feel good or I know would make me like cry. And I was like, I feel like I should be crying real quick. So let me just like find the specific episode that'll make me feel this way. So like to this day, Hercules is my favorite movie whenever I'm not feeling good. because I know that I'll feel good if I watch it. Um, so I think that that's just like something I've carried on with me like as as I grew up. I used to read books, but I realized that that's not really my my thing. It's definitely like television and movies and mostly Disney oriented for me to like uh, feel safe. I think the nostalgia is really what it is. It just like feels like I don't have to like look at what's happening in the real world if I'm there for me. Yeah, I sort of viewed um, all aspects of pop culture as a, yeah, as a as an alternate reality to the one I was like in with. Um, my family life was dog shit, um, to be honest. So everything was sort of catered towards um, escapism in some way. Yeah, but. I, you're right. Like, it's not really escapism. It's just like another safety blanket. Um, for me, TV was the big one. Um, watch TV all the time. And my uh, diet was like all over the place. Like, be like, we watch Golden Girls. Then we watch Good Times. Then we watch The Simpsons, um, Boy Meets World, Power Rangers, Saved by the Bell, Arthur, Hell's Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen, uh, Degrassi. And the tribe, the tribe is an Australian teen soap opera. I'm sure, I'll bring it up again at some point. Movies weren't really my thing, except in like weird friend groups where we'd watch the same four movies in rotation uh, in an attic because <laughs> I couldn't afford to go to movie theaters. So the only time I'd really hang out with people would be like movies in an attic. And it was mostly like Scott Pilgrim or uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Two very different things. Um, I was really into books as a young kid. I was in like a battle of the books team, which basically meant the mayor's wife uh, hosted a uh, trivia competition about like a list of a hundred books that you and like four other fourth grader, fifth graders were supposed to like read. And then whoever won, won like uh, a pizza hut coupon to get like a free pan pizza. That's fun. Um, Animorphs were the shit. Um, and then I really escaped into plays growing up. Um, like I did 40 plays when I was in high school, just so I didn't have to be home. Um, video games were the shit, yo. Nintendo, we love it. Um, PlayStation, adore it. My musical tastes were all over the place. Like my mom was really into country, but she's from Jersey and she's Puerto Rican. Don't know what that's about. Um, my dad was really into like, old school rock and then from there we just sort of me and my brother just sort of picked up like 
country and pop and rock and indie and folk and uh rap i was the first one to get into rap yeah so i'm like i sort of just like inhaled as many things as possible because i didn't want to be home (laughs) or somewhere else so yeah mine is tumultuous yet also kind of nice there's some nice stuff in there but definitely some dark stuff i think um i think smj and alex i both touched on something really interesting that I really relate to and I'm still kind of accepting that I really relate to this idea of like it wasn't so much about escaping it was about oh I could see I could see some really cool character and like project onto them or like take some of their personality traits for a bit and like that would inform who who I was then so like you see um like Star Wars for the first time and you're you're either like, oh my god, I gotta wear a vest, and I've gotta have cool one-liners, and I've gotta be Han Solo, or, um, you know, seeing seeing any of these movies, movies and television, I think especially, like I think it's not as easy with a book to project in that way, but with something you can see somebody on, seeing that thing projecting onto it, because it made because it made you feel better or for whatever for whatever reason you know and i think smj i think i I like you touching on i think one extreme of that where it's like my i cannot stand my home life at all i have to project versus for, for me it felt much more like not really knowing who i was not really having feeling like i had these strong character traits of my own and then i would see uh harry potter and be like wow they're so confident in who they are, even though they're not, that's a lie, especially with teen movies. They're not confident in who they are, but they felt more confident than I felt in myself. So I'm going to pretend to be uh, them for a little bit because that's easier than making up or deciding personality traits for myself. I, um, I definitely started out as like a reader. That was my thing. Um, like on those like character trait charts you'd made in like elementary school, like I would always write like reader, um, just because that was like how I spent all of my time. And I think for me, that was like, it was so, ex- because it was so exciting, like reading about these different worlds. Um, and these characters usually had magical powers, usually were like were a runaway or something or lived under like extraordinary, extraordinary circumstances. Um, and looking back, I think that's what stemmed a lot of like why I started acting or like play, like what I didn't realize was acting when I was little, like making up worlds with like in the backyard with my brother, um, and like creating stories and like building, building, building. Um, so I think it came out of there for me. Um, as far as music, I lived in this happy little Beatles bubble, um, where I only listened to the Beatles up until like I got to sixth grade. Um, the Beatles and like all my dad's music so like Pete Seeger and all those folky guys or musical theater um and I still remember the day that I like heard Kelly Clarkson and Avril Lavigne for the first time my friend like took me into her basement and she's like I just got this CD and then I was like oh my god like there's a whole other world like I did not know about and like it's kind of angsty. Like, I kind of love it. (laughs) Um, So, like, then I kind of expanded my repertoire from there. Um, And as far as movies, I had a very distinct, like, set of movies that me and my brother would just watch on repeat. 
Um, and I think there's something so comforting about that of like watching the movie and loving it and being like, well, I love it. So I'm just going to watch it again. Like I never understood the people who are like only watch movies once because for me, like I, it was so fun. Like I want to see the people again. Um, I know every word to Matilda, Aristocats, um, Incredibles, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Then those were like my tops for a while. I had, I had a lot of range. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's me. Is it my turn? Should I go? I'll go. Um, so I feel I'm, I'm noticing that there's a, a pattern for me of, of like, I think, so I grew up without cable, which felt like a huge thing for me looking back, it, like as I was a kid, but also looking back, like I always felt like I was out of the loop and I never really knew about all of these other shows. Um, so I really just kind of hung out in like PBS and CBS. So it was like a lot of Arthur and Cyber Chase, Zaboomafu, Ghost Whisperer, The Mentalist, um, all that good stuff. I did somehow find Kim Possible and eventually Avatar, which was good, but um had to like find my way, you know, they, I, they didn't just show up on my TV. Um, I, I mostly read growing up. I was such an avid reader. Um, I, I read, I mean, just, you know, like Magic Treehouse, A to Z Mysteries, Harry Potter, just so many books. Eventually I got into the vampire craze. I did list out all of the different vampire series I read. There's maybe five or six of them. Um, it was out of control. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I'm noticing a, a similar pattern for me as well of, um, like escapism, but not really knowing it. But also I just had such a huge imagination as a kid. Like I was writing stories and books growing up. And then also I was like imagining myself as like Daniel was saying, like other characters and like, oh yes, let me be this, let me be Hermione for the day um, and be upset in class when a test was canceled. Um, and Or like, you know, so I think that was where I really, got into got interested in acting um was just yeah like my imagination was just so huge um music was sort of like was again like almost like a source of shame for me like I just didn't know about a lot of stuff because my parents my dad would only listen to Bob Carlyle and my mom would only listen to the Beatles just this one specific album and then Celine Dion so then in sixth grade, when I heard Teardrops on My Guitar for the first time, I was like, oh my God, what is this music world? Um, that was also the first music video I ever saw on my dial-up connection. Um, oh yeah, and then through YouTube, I also eventually found anime. Um, oh, I might have paused for a moment. A lot of fantasy and imagination for me growing up. Stephanie, did you ever um, get into the Fallen Angels? I did read the first book. A Fallen? Yeah, right. Oh, my goodness. Is it the one where there's, like, the shirtless guy falling backward with the wings? Oh, that's Hush Hush. Oh, just kidding. That's also very good. (laughs) I highly recommend. I own them all. I I had, like, you said vampires, and I was like, bro, I was so obsessed with Fallen Angels. It was crazy. I was, like, writing things about them. 
if you go on Wattpad, you could probably find a book I wrote. I wrote a book about fallen angels. Okay, it It was a thing. But if you ever want to read the rest of the Hush Hush series, I do own it. Um, Great, great. I took it away from my childhood home because my mom wanted me to get rid of it. So (laughs) I I got everyone in this room, basically, in case anyone was wondering. But I thought I'd share. Amazing. Wow, that's that's one that I did not read, sadly. I it's so cool because when this question was brought up, I was like, I have nothing to say. I mean, I grew up in Brazil, you know, like everything that I'm gonna say, you won't really too. But um, it's really funny because I also grew up reading a lot, and probably I would be losing the library, so I probably read books that I shouldn't have read for my age. Um, <laughs> but. I I also grew up with my with an older brother and and my brother had his first breakup and then he got really sad and became a gothic and of course I became a gothic too so <laughs> so that's that's the kind of media that I consumed that's how I read all of the Anne Rice books <laughs> like all of the vampirism and I was a full-on emo after that um I could name Brazilian bands, but you probably wouldn't know. And I, and I, now I think, now that I think about it, you made me realize that my family growing up, there was a lot of fighting uh, from my parents. And I would resort to watching and consuming very scary things to escape from reality. Like it needed to be scarier than real life. For me to you know like if I watch something that's scarier than real life then I'm okay it's it's twisted but it, it worked for me uh, for as long as I um I was growing up um yeah it, it makes sense like everything that you said like being emotionally invested in yourself um or not affecting how much you consume different media and I think it's uh, another thing that I think is important to share is that the theater in Brazil and a lot of music that I grew up listening to um, was in response to the, the dictatorship um, in 64. So it's a lot of like protest music. So a lot of the media, if it was not from the US or from the UK or animist, because I, I had my otaku phase, um, <laughs> I, which never ends. Um, but I... I consumed a lot of media that was um, political and um, in response to like political situations, which is something that I can't divorce myself at this point in my life. But for me, all media is connected to politics. Yeah. I agree uh, with everything you're saying about everything sort of ties back into the political identity that we have, you know, because a lot of it, a lot of it, um, you know, whether it's uh, people that we see within the media that looks like us, it's our bodies on the line, right? So we sort of have that buy-in no matter what happens. And I think it's even more crucial now um, <laughs> as we are in this climate. Um, I want to, I have two things, two things I'm going to add because we have time. Two things. First off, Let's take about five to 10 minutes. If anybody has any specific questions for each other based on what we said. And then I have a question I want all of us to ponder. And when you're ready to share, you may. Here's my question for you to ponder. Is there a particular scene, chapter, song 
that has now become a legend for you. Like you as a kid blew up this moment so big that it is so pivotal. I would also like to keep this in a sort of like positive, excited zone, not necessarily like traumatic zone. (laughs) There will be times where we're talking about the negativity stuff. Um, An example, this won't be my example, so I have to find a new example, would be, I remember the first time I gasped when Arthur uh, punched DW. And I remember it being so much more dramatic than it was. Because it was the first time that I had ever seen, like me and my brother used to like pretend pro wrestle all the time. But like, I never like punched my brother, you know? But that for me, that was pivotal. Punch mine. Whoa. (laughs) I'm sorry, but you said that. And I was like, I I definitely punch my siblings all the time. I'm not proud of it, but I did it. I did do it. I was was a bully, y'all. It's crazy. I know. And it's so hard to believe. But anyway, continue. No, you're good. Um, Give me a coded message, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what it means. Sorry, Zoom J, go on. <laughs> so um, either we can, not, we can have this time to talk about questions for each other. And uh, if you have any legends from your childhood, anything that you've blown up to like mythology level. Yes, Luigi. I, I want, I want, uh, so when I was little, I watched this. Uh, I don't know the name in English, but I'm pretty sure it's American. It's a, this, like, it's a cartoon about this little bear and his family he has his parents and he's a little bear and he like hangs out with his friends and it's little, little bear little bear it's little know. bear let me look it up um but they is there a snake always... oh my god it's little a bear. garden snake it's, it's little, little bear, bear. yeah <laughs> you were you were literally saying the title you're good yes yes <laughs> okay, so i was back in brazil right in brazil we don't have peanut butter uh, so whenever they would like go out or do a picnic, they brought peanut butter sandwiches, which in Brazil is manteiga de amendoim. Doesn't it sound nice? And then I came to to the U.S. and like I was so excited to try a peanut butter sandwich um, because that got ingrained and like I like I've always wanted. I dreamt that I would was eating peanut butter like sandwiches before coming to the U.S. and like wondering what that tasted like. And then, yeah, so that's exciting for me. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. It's, I haven't considered how much, um, I didn't, cause I didn't think I watched that much anime, especially getting into college and meeting other people who like my roommate, um, my roommate, my junior and senior year had seen like every, like all 500 episodes of Naruto and stuff like that. Like there were, there were levels of nerd I thought I hadn't reached. Um, but in terms of like a, a scene that literally is imprinted in my mind, um, s- spoiler alert for season one of, uh, let me make sure, Gu- of Gundam Wing Zero Zero, spoiler alert for a character, for a character death. It's this whole like beautiful anti-war thing. And I never watched an anti-war thing before. So it's already sticking out of my head as like my first exposure to like, oh, something could be made with the express purpose of like hating war and like not not celeb not celebrating it in the way a lot of media does um or depicting it as like exciting like it was it was rough and people died and so this there's there's this one character uh lock on who 
it was, I think it was also the first time I'd ever seen a character really sacrifice themselves in a, in like a really rough way. His, his rope, his giant robot uh, gets, gets blown up pretty bad. Um, and it's made all the worse by, he has this little like stereotypical cute sidekick of Haro, who's this little yellow ball uh, who talks like this the whole time. And it's like a really cute high pitched voice. He's super cute. And so he gets like blown out of his robot and he's in space. He gets blown up into space and he was like the, the sniper one of them. And so he goes to like his severed robot gun and like hooks up his gun. But the problem is if he shoots his gun, it's going to blow him. So he's going to blow himself up and he knows he's going to. And so all of his friends are like, don't like, don't do it. We like, you're a moron. You're going to kill yourself. Don't do this. And his little robots like calling his name the whole time, but he like makes the robot go away and the robot has to listen to him because it's his robot companion. And the robot's like screaming his name the whole time. Um, and his like final word is he like looks to earth and he's like, you made me like you made war happen. This is all of your fault. And then he shoots the, he shoots the big gun and it blows up the bad guys robots because they were going to make more war and he kills himself. Um, it's a it's a heroic sacrifice and like the music's incredible it sticks out so clearly in my mind and I don't know I don't really know why exactly um I don't yeah I don't know why it does but I can like picture it so vividly so clearly and like hear the robot's voice and like the rest of the lines are kind of blurred and and whatever but the visuals and like that one voice cutting through um, so clearly sticks out in my head. And that's why I hate war because a, a little anime boy made his robot sad and blew himself up. That's such a like complex, epic, but like heartbreaking. And I think that's, I think that's what it will like. It, it's ridiculous to explain, but it was one of those moments that I think, any genre has where it's like no 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 trust me like you don't watch romantic movies trust me watch this movie though I don't know if this this isn't something that has like followed me like my whole life and maybe like rearranged how I think about the world but I just remember seeing this scene and just being like icon iconic um <laughs> and and okay, I told SMJ about this, but when I was a teenager, I was obsessed with Degrassi. Who wasn't? They go I, there. It was um, it was unhealthy. I bought all the little um, DVD boxes as soon as they came out. It played in Canada. Like I really have to go through the moves to see this. Anyways, so can you elaborate for those who for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Degrassi was this. I th it might still be airing. I'm honestly not sure, but it started in the 80s. It was called, I think, Degrassi Junior High. Um, but the series that I watch is called Degrassi The Next Generation, which was um, centered around the child of one of the main characters in the 80s rendition. So it was like the daughter and all of her friends. So it's essentially this teenage soap opera. Um, but the tagline was like, it goes there. So I started watching it when I was in... Mm, late elementary school and they dealt with a lot of issues they dealt with um rape it dealt with um pedophilia dealt with like even things like getting your first period so you know as a child I watched this and I got a lot of information about it because I learned about a lot of things that I otherwise wouldn't have 
Um, but it was also very, very, very dramatic. Um, but in, in the third season, there's this character and her name is um, Manuela Santos, Manny for short. And she, um, she starts off and she's like the cute best friend um, that everyone just thinks is so adorable. And then comes the third season, she decides like, no. Oh my God, this line was so iconic to me all. She was like, I don't wanna be cute. I wanna be hot. And she like she had on this, <laughs> she had on this like cropped hoodie. And the scene that I'm talking about is like this slow motion scene where she's walking down the hallway. And this girl, like this girl had to be what 14, 15 at the time. And she's walking down the hallway with her with her low-rise jeans and her thong peeking out of her jeans. And I look back on it now and I'm like, wow that's inappropriate but my 12 year old self was like queen <laughs> like, <laughs> like feminist icon like level <laughs> but like if I really think about it, and I think that did influence my my view of like femininity and like sexual appeal and like what that actually means for and like what confidence means for like a young woman and how to convey that um yeah it's, it's truly it is the best okay it's not the best but there's, there's I feel like stuff. I need to watch it now you have to you must is it, you must. it can I find it on like Netflix or something oh, let me find out uh, I have a question I think one of the questions that I would love to hear like the answer from the rest of the team so I just want to throw yeah. it out all right yeah sure um did you lately maybe since the pandemic hit or um go back to watch something that you watched as a child or that you had encountered as a child and then you saw it like now knowing what you know and you're like oh <laughs> you yeah. know did you have a reaction that's like yes thank you avatar for like exposing me to all of this or like jesus christ why did i watch this um yeah anyone had that for me the easiest one was saved by the bell i was like why the fuck did they spend this much money to make this show what and then now that? saved by the bell is a mid early 90s um child sitcom about high school high school cool guy and uh, resident gaslighter Zach Morris, um, who pines after popular cheerleader Kelly Kapowski and their gang of friends as they do high school hijinks. Um, he also breaks the fourth wall a lot. A lot. He says timeout in the cool 90s slang and like addresses the camera. Um, there is a popular YouTube series from Funny or Die called Zach Morris's Trash. Um, that goes over all of the bad shit that Zach Morris uh, did. Um, I would like to share some of the titles very quickly of some of the episodes. That way you get uh, a vibe of what you can expect um, if you watch it. Uh, that time Zach Morris was a domestic abuser. Uh-oh. Uh, that time Zach Morris used a dead man's charity to start his own business. Uh <laughs> That time Wait, Zach I'm sorry. Morris, these are episode titles? 
Um, these are episode titles of uh, Zach Morris's Trash, and it's a review of Saved by the Bell episodes. Gotcha. Um, so these aren't the official titles. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, okay. But these are Just had to clarify. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, the time Zach Morris disgraced his Native American ancestors. Um, yes. My favorite one is uh, that time Zach Morris gifted himself a homeless girl for Christmas. Um, yes. He literally found a girl who was homeless in the mall and then pursued her as a relationship and then said, hey, you can live with us while your dad gets back on his feet. And then we never saw her again. So as we all do in serial things. Um, but why is it important and why did I find it tragic? Um, it really, like, I think set the groundwork for gaslighting. Like my tolerance to gaslighting is so high. Like I'm so easily susceptible to being gaslit by people. I think like I'm just willing to put up with bullshit because like that guy made it cool to do that. Like, that's just how friends work. Yo, like I'm going to lie to you and steal like your girlfriend. Who's also our best friend. And it's not going to matter because we're just friends, man. It's weird. I also think it lays the groundwork for uh, why we're so attracted to white sociopathic men. There we go. Turning wheels. This SMJ, what you just said, just reminded me of something. Just gave me like a slightly new perspective on like this Manny Santos example that I gave. And I think she was also like really vilified as like the school slut and all of that. And she was the one who was always like demonized for her choice. I mean, she didn't make great choices, but like the slut shaming in that show. And then also like, there's never a, a discussion of like, well, why does she feel the need to dress this way to get attention and validation? Are we not gonna deconstruct like the societal um, aspects of like what made have made this happen? But yeah, and it kind of like contributed to this kind of like, what do you call that dichotomy of like the slut and the virgin? Like it felt like, it really perpetuated that for me. Anyways, that's it. Stephanie, please. No, I was just going to say that now I have two questions to answer. Um, and I feel like I should maybe do the first, answer the first one first. Um, and then I'll answer the second, or maybe I'll, no, I'll start with, because uh, SMJ had me start thinking about things. So I guess the the show that I was rewatching over quarantine that made me I mean, so I was rewatching How I Met Your Mother, which is the second time in the last year that I have rewatched all nine seasons. Um, and I've known how it, how problematic it is. Um, and I knew it, you know, when I rewatched it like a year ago. Um, but this past rewatching of it, um, I mean, yeah, like literally what you just said, like loving the white sociopath. I mean, that's exactly who Barney Stinson is. Yet people love him. And, you know, he's he's weirdly lovable. Yet he's a terrible person. Um, and yeah, I don't know, just like this, I, I guess what I was mostly thinking about with the show is like, it's just this group of white friends who are just hanging out. And then like, sometimes people of color come in, but they don't really stay around a lot. Um, and I guess that's the case for a lot of, you know, so I, I also started watching for the first time Gossip Girl over quarantine. 
And I'm just thinking like, oh my God, what if I was watching this in high school, <laughs> which I was watching Vampire Diaries instead. So maybe it wasn't all that different. Um, and then I've also been watching Riverdale, which is what like present teenagers are watching. Anyway, just lots of lots of white centric or white main cast drama. That's what I'm thinking about right now. Anyway, so then to answer the other question. Um, so this answer is not as deep as some of the other answers of like something that stood out to me. Um, but it has become kind of legendary in my head. So um, I also really loved Narnia growing up. I didn't finish reading the series, but I loved, 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 loved the movie that Disney made. And um, the moment when Lucy walks through the wardrobe and she's just like in Narnia and it's snowing and it's so beautiful. Now imagine me as a kid and I wake up and it's a snow day and I look out the window and it would literally look like Narnia outside of my house because we're surrounded by trees, pine trees, other trees. And, and then I would, I would like put on a bathrobe and boots and walk around as if I was Lucy. It was cold outside. I don't know why I did that. So now every year at the first snow, I rewatch Narnia. That's what I do. Tradition now. I was crafting, I was building. Thank you for listening to Our Childhood Sucked. Join us next Tuesday for the second part of this conversation. To learn more about our project, you can visit ourchildhoodsucked.com and follow us at Instagram at ourchildhoodsucked. Performance alert! We are going to the tank in NYC. A virtual workshop of our play will be streaming live on July 16th and 17th at 8 p.m. EST. Tickets will range from $5 to $20. More information can be found on our website or at thetanknyc.org. We'll see you next week.